Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, welcome back to Dr. Eddie Caparucci, my friend, someone who's very important to me, and we always have a lot of fun. Oh, we always do. And we almost dress alike, too, in a way. Mine's a little bit lighter than yours. But, hey, I've, I, and, I, and besides, I'm trying to catch up with some of the people who appeared on your program the most. I think it is <laughs> number three for me. And I think Doug Carpenter may be a little bit ahead with four or five or Stephen Thomas. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to lay, level the, the playing field. You're just trying to compensate for some inferiority. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, get clinical lobby. Go ahead. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm really excited. Actually, you're ahead of everybody, I think, with uh, your latest book, because now you've got three books in, in a very short amount of time. And the new one is called Why Men Struggle to Love. That's right. And one of the big themes of this book is so important for us on this journey of outgrowing porn, emotional intelligence, EQ, emotional IQ, just just a sense of emotional maturity. Um, And this is like one of the key, most important things. I fully agree with you. That's why I wrote the book. I mean, the idea, but I think you really sum it up very well with that emotional maturity. Because if we look at the men who struggle with addiction, whether it be sex and porn addiction or it be any addiction, and even not just men, but also women, what do we see? We see three components to that, that lie there. One, we go back to your inner child and our unresolved childhood pain point. But we've talked about that before. Two, we talk about the idea that it is difficult for us to sit with emotional discomfort. We can't. So we want to distract ourselves and run away. But the third component is what we're going to talk about today. And that is the fact that we are emotionally undeveloped. There were situations in growing up, stages of early childhood development that we missed, which again, made left us not to be complete. And not having a strong emotional IQ can result in havoc in many ways, including our relationships with others, but also, again, that inability to sit with that emotional distress, which then can lead to addictive behaviors. And part of the madness of this problem is that we don't even know we have it a lot of times. Yeah. You you read the book. Thank you. And I know you gave me a wonderful professional recommendation for endorsement. And you saw in that book, the word that probably appears more often, uh, most often is oblivious. We are oblivious. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So if, if I'm not taught those various things I need to be taught in the early stages of my childhood development, such as trust. How do we build trust? Trust Parents build trust by allowing us to go out and explore. 
But we know if I turn around, my parents, the parents are still there. So that's building the trust, building a sense of emotional regulation. Can I control my moods? What do I do if I have multiple moods? What do I do with all of those? A sense of empathy, which again, a major complaint among those who've been betrayed. You know, being able to put ourselves in their position that we can fully understand the depth of their pain. Attunement. I, you know, Drew, you're off a little bit today. There's something just not right. You, you know, you don't have that same step, you know, that you're usually out there, that vibrant stuff that we're used to. Being able to pick that up. And again, I go back to the one the ability to sit with emotional discomfort. You know, here we are, we're young and something happens. Let's say the neighbor, your next door neighbor, he takes your Nerf gun and he breaks it. And you come home. Yeah, that's your day. You look at the look at the face, right? I am livid right now. I am like about to explode. And you come home and you're telling dad, I can't believe that, you know, Bobby, he took my nerve out, he broke it. And, you know, you're so distraught about it. And you're hoping that, you know, dad's got a comfort and be able to show you how to manage with this distress. And instead, why did you lend it to him? I told you, did I tell you not to share your toy with him? What's wrong with you? How stupid can you be? And, and now you get this, this verbal, you know, dressing down. And like, you know what, Get, go, go to your room. So now you go to the room and now you're not just sitting with the pain that your toy was broken. Now you're also sitting with the pain that dad is disappointed. I, and also I'm responsible. This is my fault that it happened. Well, what do I do with this? Well, a kid not having a lot of worldly experiences and being more emotionally based in their thinking than cognitive comes up with one solution. There's only one solution. And it's a brilliant one for a child. I won't think about it. I won't think about it. Well, how do you do that? He has to distract himself. Too much food, too much television, too many video games, too, too much in my own head. And pornography. All right, and, and that's what it'll lead to. Right. So now I take that into my teen world, my teen years. And I take it into my adult years. I created a coping mechanism. I'm never, I'm never going to sit with emotional distress. I don't want to sit with it. Instead, I will run off and I'll find something to suit myself. So that, that's what we're getting into when we talk about people who are emotionally undeveloped. It, it because we didn't get the training in those areas. So if that story resonates with you guys like it does with me, then we've got our work cut out for us here. And this episode is going to be so helpful. We're going to talk about what is emotional maturity? How can we increase it and improve it? Eddie, what is emotional maturity? Like, if we don't even know what it is, like, what does that even look like? Right. Okay, so... For me to be emotionally mature, there are three elements that I need to be able to master. First and foremost, I need to be able to identify what I feel 
you know, regarding my emotion. Beyond, I feel angry, I feel sad, I feel happy, I'm afraid. Everybody can identify those. They're, they're no-brainers. But, but those who are emotionally undeveloped, they can't drill down to, uh, to really articulate what they truly feel. Okay, That's number one. Even for some who can identify those emotions, they have a difficult time in communicating them to other people. That's number two, right? I can't express my emotion. Why is that? Because somewhere along the line, we got the message that sharing your emotions are not safe. Whether it be that people kind of mocked you because of it, shut you down, ignored you, whatever it may be, sharing what I feel is not a good idea. That's the message we receive. And then the third aspect that creates a complete emotional IQ is the ability to be able to manage when people come to us with their emotions and to be able to process through that sit with them with it, all of that. You know, the big joke has always been that, you know what, women get upset with men because men want to fix it. They can't, they go, I can't sit with you. I bring a problem and all you want to do is fix it. Well, we don't want to fix it because we want to show how, you know, uh, intelligent we are and, you know, how quick-witted we are. That's not it. The reason we want to solve the problem it to make the problem go away, to let the emotion get out of here so I can go back and watch the rest of the baseball game, okay? I mean, so I'm going to solve it. But in many cases, we don't just try to solve it. What we'll do is we'll minimize it. I don't know what you're worried about. It's really not a big deal. You just move on. Or we might get really aggressive. I don't want to hear that. All right? You don't want to hear it. It's your problem. You solve it. You do it. It's, like, it's almost like we become our dad. Yeah. Or we might even freeze. I'll get to go there next. Or withdraw. Just like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I, I got to go cut the lawn. All right. I mean, that's what we're looking at. All right. So those are the three things that make up an emotional IQ. Identifying our feelings, being able to communicate them, and be a safe person for somebody else to share their emotional feelings. Absolutely. It's like a foreign language that we have to learn. Yeah. You did that in 10 seconds. I did it in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It, it Again, but that's what it goes back to the sense of being oblivious. We don't know what we don't know. And you're right. It is so unnatural for us. It is unnatural. And that's why when we begin the process of helping men to become emotionally developed, it is a long-term process. It is not something that you're going to, you know, six weeks, okay? It's not. It usually takes, from what I see, about two years for a man to really get to the point where he can do it consistently. And he's not going to do it right all the time. None of us will. I still, you know, I've been working on this for 20 something years. And I still don't get it right all the time. I allow my hypersensitivity to criticism or rejection get the best of me. 
And therefore, again, I'm reacting versus I'm responding. I wonder, Eddie, if we could process our emotions by identifying them, communicating them, really processing them every single time, would we ever sexually act out? I think the risk would be extremely low. And let me tell you why. Because we are emotionally undeveloped, we don't have the IQ. We can't sit with the distress, okay? What we needed to do was find that outlet to achieve some sense of connection, some sense of intimacy. And what I believe happens is that we confuse emotional intimacy with physical intimacy. So therefore, that is now the foundation of relationships in our life or what we think. So therefore, I never feel more love than when somebody is physical with me. And the way I show my love is by being physical with other people. But what are we really on the hunt for, Drew? We're on the hunt for emotional intimacy. We just have it confused. And that's why as we continue to do it, it's never fully satisfying. There's always still the void that, you know, this just, it's good. I like this, but, but, but it's just, it's not fulfilling what I really want. And that is the combination because relationships should be based on emotional intimacy. And then we take the physical intimacy and we sprinkle it in to reinforce that. That is the way God designed us to be in relationship. So I think to answer your question, I think it would, I think the risk would be lower. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's so good to think about the way that God designed our emotions, our sexuality to work versus the way it works in porn. Because with porn, actually, for some of us, there might be a, a sense of being drawn to scenes that are very emotionally intimate. But for others of us, it's just purely physical. Right. There are. There, there, there are guys who, they get this sense of, of being desired and being noticed and being affirmed when they look at pornography. I mean, I, I, I still kind of struggle to understand that because that was never something I got from porn I got that was what I always saw from women like tell me how wonderful I am tell me how great I am tell me how much I rock the world so that it was there but I don't I didn't quite understand it from that perspective but there are many men who they do get a lot of different emotions from looking at pornography our emotions will come out one way or another they're going to come out through a channel that is healthy and empowering and and maybe it's scary and maybe it's difficult and awkward or it's going to come out in a way that's easy and familiar through porn or other sexual acting out that's right but see that's right that's where you go down the destructive pathway but again if you don't sit and process it properly you're going to it's going to come out in a destructive manner correct Yes, and that's why, in some ways, I can almost predict when a relapse is going to come. Because if there's dysregulation and there's emotional triggers 
and there's all this unprocessed stuff. Well, where's that going to go? Yeah. It's going to go, like you said, down the pathway of probably relapsing. Unless, again, you decide you're still not, your, your, your sobriety is so strong. Like, for example, in my case, when I don't process it, I'm, I'm not relapsing. What I'm doing, though, is I'm not being very attentive. I am being too reactive. You know, I'm being a little maybe hostile. And I think that's the way it's coming out with me and my thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's different depending on where you are on the pathway of recovery. But again, I, let me just clarify. I am not saying I am not at any risk of acting out. I'd be foolish if I did. We're all, anybody can fall at any time. We need to be very conscious of that. And and that's why, for me, I am very conscious of it. So therefore, that's why I think, for me, I believe my risk is low because I do, I make myself aware that there is a risk. Absolutely. I resonate with that so much. No matter how far we travel down this road, we're always just as close to the ditch on the side of the road. And so for me, the warning signs that I am not processing something is the distraction, specifically with my phone and dissociation. So my wife will say, you've been on your phone a lot lately. Hmm. You're, you're corresponding with the husband material community late at night. What's, what's going on for you? <laughs> and uh, that's a little bit of my, my warning sign. I, you could call it a rumble strip. It's like on that side of the road, before you get into the ditch, you know how sometimes there are those little bumps in the side of the road? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they let you know, hey, you're, you're, uh, you're drifting a little bit. Drifting, right. And whenever we're drifting, that's a warning sign. Exactly. See, now you hit upon it, Drew. The emotionally undeveloped person is not aware when they start to drift because again mindfulness is not part of being you know emotionally uh developed and that's why part of that in the new book i developed the 14 blind spots you know what are those things that will trip a guy up that will keep the relationship stagnant or will drive them to seek out other behaviors. And mindfulness is one of those things that are among those 14. Love that. So Eddie, you you talk about lots of different strategies in the book for how to become emotionally mature. What do people need to know? What is something they can do in order to build this character, skill, and, and growth? So join with me, Drew, when we talk about the first thing that people need to do, and that is slow everything down, right? For you guys who may not have been part of all this, I get so much grief by everybody talking to me about slow everything down. (laughs) Well, the way you say it sometimes is like slow everything Down. I'm not sure. I think that's a little <laughs> over traumatic, Drew, but we get, but you are right. I do. It, it is that slow everything down. And, and it's critical. It's critical. And that goes back to your inner child model, right? That, that we're, we got the 
the how I feel the kid and his you know adolescent thinking and what are we gonna do? We're gonna slow everything down by instead of running away based on that thinking, I'm gonna go over here to not how I feel, but what is real, and I'm gonna process with rational thinking, with wide mind. So, so slowing things down is critical so that we don't react, so that we learn to respond. We start to figure out what are the words I need to say. So that's one of the things. I think you know another one is to be able to develop our empathy, is to be able to sit and think about what we're looking at, for example, our spouse who may be dealing with, you know, having been betrayed. Sit down and start to write out when when was it in your life that you were betrayed? When did you suffer something like that? Like, for example, lending your toy to the next door neighbor and he breaks it. Okay. Not the extent of what your spouse or partner may be going through, but yet it's a betrayal. Try to sit there and think about what are the emotions that get tied with that and start to put that together. And one other strategy I'll give you, because again, trying to identify our emotions are difficult. And again, being a cognitive behavioral therapist, I believe it's the way we think that drives how we feel. So therefore, instead of focusing on the emotion, focus on the thoughts. What are the thoughts that you have about a particular situation? And once you have them down, then what are the emotions that are connected with those thoughts? So we're, we're just flipping it on its head. And you talk about negative narratives. What are some of those negative narratives that go through our minds? No, I, you know what? I'm not good enough. You know, I don't deserve love. You know, I'm I'm not smart. I, I I don't fit in. There are many negative narratives, and these are all messages that we receive when we were growing up, whether it be through parents, sibling, peers other people in, you know, authority or events that happened in our lives. But they, what those messages, whether they were direct or indirect, we take them to heart and we start to believe that, you know, the negative thing that have, that we've been exposed to. And with that, what that does, it tarnishes our self-worth. More importantly, though, what it does, it sets us up so that whatever an event happens in our life today, and it correlates with one of those negative narratives, we most likely are going to spin out of control unless we have that strong emotional development so that we can slow everything down and move away from what I feel to what is real. That's so good. There's a negative narrative that I heard recently that really resonated with me too. And it was, I can't do hard things. Mm. You know what? That's so funny. Somebody said that to me earlier this week, one of my clients. And you're right. You don't hear that too often. What was that about with you that I can't do hard things? Well, I mean, let's just face it. Being an adult is hard. (laughs) Growing up is hard. Like doing a job, following Jesus, 
taking care of a family or, or even just being a good friend, like being free from porn, all of it is very, very difficult. And, and as I begin to, to consider, okay, where's this negative narrative coming from? For me, my mother did everything for me, like everything. She would ask me to do something, and then five seconds later, she would do it. So I think there began to be, for me, uh, kind of a sense of like impotence. And for her, it was trying to be loving and helpful and serving me. Um, But I just never learned how to do things. Like I didn't learn how to do the laundry. I didn't learn how to make food. I didn't learn things that I needed. And it kept me feeling like a little boy for a long time. And even now, sometimes I'll just be doing the dishes or doing, doing something that's emotionally difficult and be like, ugh, I can't do this. So I think it can come from that. It could also come from a parent who says like something similar to what you said earlier, you're stupid Um, or gosh, you can't do anything right. It could also be a completely different storyline. But maybe for some of us uh, growing up, we were given too much handholding. Yes, you're absolutely right. But see you in that case, you know, what, what, what your mom did was an injustice to you. Because, again, she doesn't walk you through the steps of development that allow you to be uh, autonomous, that you're, I can do it on my own. I can feel this sense of dependence and I could trust myself that, you know, something difficult, this looks like it's going to be difficult. But you know what? I think I'll be able to navigate the waters to be able to do it. And if I feel like I really can't, I'll reach out to somebody else for some guidance on it. So you don't get those types of things that are there. And again, that goes back to the idea of there are so many things that involve our childhood. Okay, forget about just the the trauma and the neglect, but so many other things that this is why we're hardwired the way we are. But the worst part is, I don't understand it. I don't know it. I'm oblivious to it. And so therefore, I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, Eddie, what I really needed back then and what I need right now from Jesus is not to do everything for me, not to make everything easier, but just to say, hey, I know this is really hard and I'm right here with you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. You can do this. You got this. And that's a gift. Encouragement. Yes. And I want to share that with all of you who are listening. Like, hey, this journey of outgrowing porn, it is really difficult. It is not easy. It is going to challenge you to your core, especially if you start removing the pacifier and and that little inner child starts crying. Man, it can be a trigger tornado. Guys, I am right here with you in the middle of it. Jesus is right here with you. He's not going anywhere. Your brothers around you in this community are right here with you. That's strong stuff and it's needed. We need that encouragement because there are times when things look rather, they look hopeless and we feel helpless. But that, that, see, that, that's the inner child again. That's your kid. And, and you need to move away from that thinking and you need to slow everything down so that you can, again, move to the rational side of the equation. And then you look at things in a different light 
in a different way. Yeah. And Eddie, one of the things I love in the book that you talk about is nurture. That word, it feels feminine to me. It doesn't feel very masculine. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel masculine. However, it is part of what our DNA is. Okay. We, we need nurturing. We need it. And, and nurturing doesn't have to be somebody coddling you, okay, or smothering you. You know, nurturing can be that friend who said, picks up the phone and says, hey, man, you know, I, I heard you know, I'll just check it in because you were struggling last week. And I just want to let you know that I'm still here for you. And, you know, we'd like to get together, whatever. Maybe that's nurturing also. Somebody just telling you, you know what? Yeah. You are not a bad person. Yeah, you may have done some bad thing, but you're not a bad person. Because again, the label that we should wear is that you are the prince of the king. Period. No other labels allowed. That's right. You are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. And I love what you said about how nurture can be so simple. It can just be a simple check-in. Hey, how are you feeling? Oh, that makes so much sense. What do you need right now? How can I support you in this moment? We don't slow down enough to be able to understand what do I really need. And so, therefore, we'll run to the habit, that, that, that distraction that we always run to for comfort. And, and that's not living, that's existing. So becoming emotionally mature means becoming aware of what we really need, responsive to those needs, able to relate to each other with those needs. And, and I think there's even a part of it that's nurturing ourselves. And it might be like, you know what? I'm struggling right now. You know what I need? I need to go take a nap. I need to go lay down for 20 minutes just to kind of get a jump start. I need to put a good meal in my body versus all the junk food I put in my body. And I can feel, I can feel that. I need to reach out to a friend just to have somebody to talk to and to, to say, I need to go for a run because I, you know, just to breathe the air because I've been in the office all day and doing work. So, yes, we need to nurture ourselves also, because without that, we're not going to be ultimately able to nurture others, which is what we want to do as part of being that complete individual, you know, being both, you know, being, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually strong. Amen. Eddie, how do you know when someone is really making progress and becoming emotionally mature? Well, that's a great question, Drew. And you know because what they are, you see them being more outwardly focused. You see them being more observant of what's going on around them. I might, may have told this story once before, uh, and I apologize if I, if I have, but I once had a, a client several years ago who came into my office and it was the fall and the leaves have all changed. And he, was, he came in, he's looking out the window and I've been working with him for about 18 months. He's doing wonderful work 
on developing his emotional IQ. And he said, if it's just me or you leave seems so much more vibrant this year. And I remember <laughs> just like, like, no, they're, they're, they're about the same as what they usually are. <laughs> so, but you're noticing them. You're becoming more aware of all your surroundings. So that, that I think, is one of the keys of how you can tell that somebody's improving. Also, the other key is, again, they stop just reacting. And they are, because they slow things down, they are more responsive. I love that. And one of the skills that we've talked about before also is breathing. Being able to self-regulate through deep breathing in order to be able to become aware and make a decision on purpose. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Most people don't realize that they don't really breathe very well most of the time. Okay. They're just, again, head down, running through life and not taking time. But when we start getting our breathing, you know, right, and we are doing it on a regular basis all of the time, it's like so many things start to fall in line with our thinking, pop, more positive thought, more positive emotion. We feel better physically because we are not depriving the body of the oxygen it needs. We're giving it all of it so that it's like, oof. It seems, again, the more you bring oxygen to the brain, the more it kind of gives a sense of euphoria to us. So, yes, that that needs to be part of it. And that's why one of those skills that are in there talk a lot about yoga. People, I know some guys go, yeah, yoga, are we crazy? No, yoga is you know, a really good technique to use to help you become more attuned to what you think feel and from your body perspective so you know we're looking for those kind of technique to again allow and what do they all do they slow everything down awesome and there are tons of techniques i mean there's probably a hundred in this book there there's a lot I, I have what i call them the antidotes and uh again there are 14 blind spots everyone has at least three some have seven six Five. So yes, I could, you know what? The reason for it, Drew, is because not everyone is going to align with each and every technique. What may be good for you will not work for me. So therefore, what I what I give you know my clients is say, okay, so let's look at the six antidotes I have. Which one of those do you believe you can implement best? Because no point, what's the point of giving people skills, a skill set, and they can't implement it, right? So it's wasted. So therefore, I want them to see, and I want them to choose. And I get some of them who will sit there and say, oh, I know, I I can implement all these. Okay, then which one sound the most exciting to you that you would like to to do? This way then, you know, again, it's motivating to them. So that's why there are a lot of solutions. And then the other thing I'll tell you also is that I hate when people write books and they tell you all about what's wrong and how it 
got that way, and then they don't give you any solutions about it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not writing one of those books. I'll never write one of those books. <laughs> but that's another. So I'd rather overload you than say, here, pick and choose what you want versus, okay, I you confirm the problems I have, but I still don't know what to do to, to help it. Yeah. Yeah. The book, Why Men Struggle to Love, also includes antidotes for every one of these blind spots and emotionally undeveloped areas of our life. And I'm excited to say that Eddie is going to give away a few copies of this book inside the Husband Material community. That's right. Looking forward to that because I really do think, I think when people read the book, the responses that I've gotten back thus far, it only launched in the end of January. The response has been just tremendous because it's so eye-opening to people to say, I didn't know I had these deficits. Uh, more importantly, is the wife and the spouse are looking at this and saying, ooh, I like the fact that he's going to be working on this stuff. My daughter has been blessed by it because I realized that in the way I was caring for her, it was always just whatever's convenient for me. And it was a moment for me of realizing, wow, I've been so, so inwardly focused. I've been so emotionally immature, just focus on myself, just in my own head and slowing down and thinking, how, how can I be with her? How can I bless her? Even if it means it interrupts my day. That was so great. But, but see, that's what's going to happen. People who are emotionally undeveloped are going to be more self-centered. And the reason being is the idea that there's the belief, and it may not, again, not even be the conscious belief, but there's nobody there for me. I have to do it myself. Okay? I, I can't rely on other people. So, therefore, in your case, it's like, well, okay, when I make time, I'll, I'll go and do that for her. But I can't do it any other time because there's nobody else here for me to help me with what I have to do. That, that's the thing. You know, we look at this. You look at going deeper. You look at this book. And again, what is it all about? It is about insight. It's about self-reflection. Why? Why do I think, feel, and act the way I do? The way then you're empowered. And you can make healthy decisions. Amen. Eddie, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Drew. As always, I so much enjoy our time together, whether we're on the show or behind the scene, whatever it is. And thanks for all the work you do in that community. It is a major blessing. You're welcome. Guys, you can get a copy of Why Men Struggle to Love at the link in the description for this episode. You can also join the Husband Material community to enter the giveaway. And always remember that you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased. <laughs>